welcome back to our latest podcast. It's great to be with you. Just to remind you, in case you've forgotten, I'm Emma and I'm joined by Claire and we are loving doing this series with you. I was joined by Daniel Beckett, uh, who is a minister in one of our churches, and uh, they have a different way or a, a, another way of doing intergenerational ministry. Uh, in that, they have multiple congregations, so some might call it multi-generational rather than intergenerational, but it's really fascinating to listen to how he talks about the interweaving of those congregations and how they can worship in different ways, but they're still one church, functioning as one church, and really equipping and blessing each other. Claire, what is your experience of this style of church? Yes, I think it kind of lends itself more obviously to the larger churches who I think do struggle to do intergenerational um, ministry um, in its kind of purest, truest uh, form. I think it's, it is a bit of an elusive thing. We're all struggling to kind of get our heads around. Um, but I, I love that, that. It's a step in that direction, isn't it? This multi kind of congregations, this multi um, generational kind of approach. And I, I know of another church in um, Andover and they, um, it's quite a larger church and, and they're really keen for like, say for the young people to recognize that they're part of a wider kind of church. And so like, for instance, it's a really simple thing, but on their website, when they They've got all of their small groups listed they don't have a separate youth section the, the youth small groups are just part of the the whole church's small group kind of page that the young people can see that they're part of this bigger family and and I think that's that's it isn't it if, if you're in a if you're in a context um which is maybe a bit more age segregated just helping the children the young people see and be part of that wider concept context is really important and the chances for them to actually come together which might be not every Sunday but it might be over a meal it might be on the big feast days when you take more opportunities to engage with those maybe in, in uh, all the all the church family coming together so I'm really excited to hear what Daniel's got to say because I think this is one of our things that we wrestle with um the larger churches might wrestle with so yeah let's hear what he has to say so i'm joined by dan it's really great to have you with us today i wonder if you could give us a brief summary of who you are and where you're based yeah, hello everyone. Uh, my name's uh, Daniel Beckett and I am uh, the lead pastor at God Manchester Baptist Church, uh, which is a role which I've been doing for just over a year. And um, it's a role which um, I took on during COVID, so things are still working out. Uh, but I did that in the context of being a trained uh, children and youth minister um, and children and youth carries on being my primary ministry alongside uh, leading the church as a whole. So Daniel, can you talk us through the types of things that you do as lead pastor with an oversight and a, and a complete, you know, focus on children, youth and families? Yes, so as lead pastor, I have oversight of um, the teaching um, across the different congregations, the partial care across different congregations, um, and also um, have um, uh, chair of um, the leadership of the church and uh, 
chair those meetings, steer um, the priorities um, that we feel as a church, where we are heading, what we're doing. Um, and alongside that, um, if I am involved in direct ministry, face-to-face -face ministry, uh, that will be along uh, with children and or young people. Um, and that can be in many different ways. That can be within a um, Sunday teaching session. That can be schools ministry, one-to-one -one discipleship, uh, youth clubs, um, the whole whole variation of children and youth ministry. Um, but that's where I practice day-to-day, face-to-face. Thanks. So in that, um, this series, we're looking at intergenerational ministry. And I just heard you say there that uh, different congregations. So can you explore a little bit about some of the congregations that are there in your church? Yes, so um, develop a model looking at having different congregations throughout the week. So we have our Sunday morning congregation, uh, which is um, our, our largest congregation uh, and um, important part of what we do. Uh, and alongside that, we have other, other con congregations. So we have a um, one for uh, those who are older in our congregation, um, in our community, should I say, those who um, are more traditional songs and hymns and a shorter service. Then we also have a uh, messy church um, congregation, uh, which draws families, usually with children of primary school age children, uh, and also a youth congregation as well. And we're about to launch, um, hopefully in two weeks time, um, a young adults congregation as well. So each of them very much distinctive to the those who we are reaching out to, those that we want to connect with, those that we want to bring together in that corporate way, um, but all as part of one church. So how do you do that? To, to sort of ask the big question, how do you do that? How do you have differing congregations that are specialist to some extent because you are looking to address particular needs within you know whether that's messy church community families or youth or older congregations how do you keep the the whole the big picture and have these congregations that are independently working so a working model still working some of that out um put a high priority on opportunities for us all to meet together as one church um, and making sure they're in the diary, considering what it means to come together as one um, whole church and um, have opportunities for that to happen. Um, there's plenty of church life which is um, shared right across the congregations. So our communications that go out go right across. Um, if we have prayer meetings or if we had midweek um, teaching or discipleship groups, um, Currently, we're running a group um, about um, the impact of COVID and how our brains are reacting to that and what we can do to support one another. So activities like that go out across the whole of the church, um, not just one particular congregation, um, which is one of the ways that we try and help people see they're part of something else. And also, I suppose what we're also doing is considering what it means to um, be part of church if you are not from a church background or a Christian background. Um, for myself, I've been to church my whole life and I find that a privilege, um, but it means I see things a certain way. Whereas if you talk to people who, who haven't been part of church their whole life, not part of a Christian context, um, they don't seem to have quite so many problems with it as we do. They're, they're part of the church and they're up for it and they're having a good time um, and they're learning and it's not doesn't have all the same barriers. So in our model, as we continue to develop it, we're thinking what it looks like from different perspectives um, and how 
how we do what we're here to do, which is help more people find out about Jesus. That's so important, isn't it? I mean, we there have been talks of whether we're three or maybe even four generations from people who have an understanding of church in terms of it being so much part of family life and an, and an expectation yeah. of what you did. So I think Scripture Union, isn't it? Haven't they've done massive amounts of um, research? And they've come up with this 95% of the missing generations. Um, yeah. Are you working with some of that stuff? Yeah, so um, those sort of um, being trained in youth and children and those sort of statistics are regularly part of um, the world that we minister in, in that context, alongside children, and young people and and their, their knowledge of um, the Christian story about Christianity or church or who is Jesus um, are very much a reality and um, when I started very much my mind was on children young people but as I then um, talked to others in their family or in the wider community and as time's gone on over the last 20 years of ministry um, that um, statistic becomes truer older and older and the reality is um, that um, we're starting at a different point to perhaps what we think we are um, the start point is is not where it was and um, we haven't got people who are um, automatically knowing the Christian story we haven't got people who um, when we when you perhaps throw away one of our phrases understand what's going on uh, last week we were doing a, a podcast discussion and one of the people that came has only been a Christian in the last um, 18 months and they talked about how confusing it was because everyone kept telling her that she needed to be saved and she had no idea what she'd done or what she was gonna what was round the corner um she hadn't been bad what was all this bad stuff that she'd done and um the rest of the group are long-standing christians and felt quite embarrassed i think um including myself that even language which we think um perhaps is normal and natural um still we need to challenge ourselves at what we're saying and how we're saying it yeah so some of the work that, that you do, it, it does focus not just though on what the children, the young people are doing, but also about how that translates into the home. Um, one of yeah. the big things about doing these podcasts, you know, we, we, we've named them Joining the Dots and we're trying to join the dots between church, school and home. If we've got generations that don't understand the jargon, don't understand, you know, it's a whole different language actually that we're speaking. What are some of the things that you're doing within the intergenerational or the, the multi-generational work yeah. that you're doing to address some of that? Yes. Yeah, so when we started Messy Church, it very much was um, looking at, um, there was two focuses. One was um, looking at those who had no church contact, no um no idea really of Christianity and an opportunity for them to find out more alongside their as a family because um, they would come together as a family and learn um, and then the other strand that we hold when we do a messy church is uh, the research around children and young people who have lifelong faith um, and how that is um, grown within the family how the family model and the family discipleship has um, such an important part to play. So come to Messy Church as a family and spend time together. So when we run Messy Church, it very much is thinking about how we equip the parents to talk to the children about faith, um, but the 
but also the children to ask parents, um, which works really, um, it's so exciting to see that within perhaps what I'd call a Christian family. Um, but it's also really exciting when you get a family who know nothing because there's a real equality amongst that conversation that happens. Um, and, and within our messy church, it's very, we try not to make it childish, but we make it very child friendly, but even more powerfully, we want to make it interactive. We want to think about those other ways that we learn uh, rather than perhaps traditional um, lecture style learning. And Messy Church is a place that we try and put that into practice. Think about the different ages, but also thinking about the different um, knowledge base um, for people around Christianity. So we'll challenge ourselves not to ever say, um, well, there was, you know, we all know Joseph um, because people just look around the room thinking, well, who's Joseph? Um, whereas again we just slip into that so the challenge among the the team is um that nothing is presumed and we start from scratch um which is really good really fun and to have those conversations with some of the the adults parents um that because of the conversation you're having it feels like it might be in sunday school not because how simple it is we get that wrong um it's not simple um it's it's the baseline it's the it's the foundational stuff that we put into place and to have those conversations and to put those principles in place is something which is um well it's, it's just really good yeah i don't know if you were ever encouraged to do this but certainly when i was doing my youth and uh, youth and theology and applied no hang on it's youth and community and applied theology stuff we had to try and do a, a three minute tell our story without using any Christian words whatsoever. I don't know if you did that or whether you get your, but it's actually really quite hard yeah. and you have to be very conscious of yeah. not doing the, right, we're gonna tell a really familiar story. We know you all know this story. It's the loaves and the fish. Yeah. You, you have to go back to working on an assumption and a basis that yeah. people don't know the story. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah, really important and really um, uh, for me as I've um, over 20 years um, relate often back to missionary work and thinking about the fact that if we think about our work role much more as a missionary, I think um, we are more effective or uh, because that's about not using presumed knowledge or presumed language, but actually starting from a baseline and finding out um, what, how do I say this in this culture? How do I say this in this language uh, is something which which is important for us to do. I still think we've got a way to go, but it is important. Yeah. How do you do that? So if you're looking to equip families and you're looking to equip the parents, one thing I'm very conscious that we do is that in church life, we can, we can model corporate prayer. Yeah. And we can say to children or to families, go home and uh, have a relationship with Jesus. How do you sort of look to approach uh, equipping and enabling families to have ministry at home based on what you've done in church? I think the place it starts, um, I'm going to try not to avoid your question, come back to me if I do, but where it starts for me is about building that relationship with parents. So I will spend a lot of time um, just getting to know parents, spending time with parents, um, helping them realise that it's not a competition um, between me and them, but um, actually we're, we're in it together and we have the same outcomes that we want to achieve. So um, building that relationship with parents, I think, then helps as then you explore ways of helping them um, with faith in the home. Um, we um, one of the things that we refer back to is uh, one of the sections in Parenting for Faith uh, course that we, we've used a few times. And in that, uh, they, they refer to windows 
and giving your children windows into your um, into your own life um, with God, your your relationship with God. So don't always, you know, if you have a regular um, devotional time with God, don't close the door and lock yourself away. They don't see what that looks like. Don't let you know, leave the door open, letting them know what that is. Um, windows into difficult days. You know, if you had a difficult day at work, you know, it's okay. Um, when you're sitting and chatting later in the day, it was really hard today. And then the window into how you what you did about that in the context of God and and I prayed or I messaged someone and asked them to pray with, for me um, because I knew it was going to be difficult but um, in the good and the bad I think that's important but actually giving children that that window into what it means to have faith um, day to day don't hide away God um, in a box somewhere that can't ever be um, discussed or talked about yeah. So for those who uh, might be listening and haven't come across Parenting for Faith, we hope you have. But that's material that's come out of uh, Rachel Turner's work and BRF online. So do go and have a look at some of those resources. Um, but actually, what we what we start to talk about then when we're talking about intergenerational is about 24-7 living faith, not just not just sort of what we do in one place at one time. Yeah. Um, so we're in, in the course of that, then you've, you've got a youth congregation. What are some of the benefits of having, you know, a congregation of one demographic, as it were, um, yeah. one generational demographic? And what are some of the challenges that come with that? Yeah. So being um, trying to understand itself as still as one church, uh, it's about 10 years ago, we recognised our youth congregation as a valid um, expression of church. So um, whatever we felt needed to be part of church or congregation, um, a young person would be able to um, engage with within the youth congregation. We may do that in different ways. We may use different language. We may use different format. But that was our challenge. And uh, part of what that did was um, free up guilt for parents, back to the parents again, about not attending on a Sunday morning. Um, but my, I've got no way of uh, measuring this statistically accurately, but my belief is more young people attending on Sunday morning than would have um, if they had to be there because they're freed up to serve. And um, lots of the young people are still around um, at other times in the week or other times um, in, on a Sunday because they are attending church and being part of church means you serve. So they were then involved in other groups, activities, being around um, one of the phrases which after a couple of years um, came to light and it was one of the other team that um, heard a young person saying it um, was the fact that they were referring it to it as their church it wasn't their parents church it wasn't the church they attend it was their church and I think something about having a youth congregation has really helped them realize it's their church mm -hmm. um, on a on a Sunday evening which is when we meet not because you have to meet on a Sunday but that was what works for them um, yeah. um, is a time where where they have the input they they contribute to what we're teaching they contribute into which room of the church building we use they contribute into what will the refreshments be um they support other young people so we always do um uh, care packages for those gone off to university and that group of young people the people that do it they organize that um they they are um alongside a leadership and um alongside safeguarding so we do have leaders there we talk about us all being church together and they have that role which allows them to do it so the good about it is that they feel like they belong that they do belong they have a role to play they realize that their discipleship 
needs to be active and real, um, not passive, but actually has something that that drives it as such. Um, sometimes um, I think they. I think sometimes the challenge is when they then not part of the youth congregation, so they go off to university or they are older, um, is is how they transfer or translate their faith into that setting. Um, I do a lot of work around that, or as a church, we do a lot of work around that as well. We make sure we do partial visits to the young people within university, um, not just sending them off, but actually visiting them and being, walking alongside them in the first few months, which is so crucial. Um, carry on supporting young people into the workplace um, and what that means, um, again, visiting, young, visiting them in the workplace um, if and when that allows, but not just, not just ditching them. Um, and then sometimes depends on the group, but we've done um, sessions on how to survive a Sunday morning service um, or, or what is going on, what on earth is going on or something like that. We title it, um, but, but carrying that on. Um, so some of the negatives is they become very used to that um, style. And then sometimes that can be quite hard to transfer um, into other styles possibly. I mean, what's lovely from listening to you talk and listening to the styles of ministry that you are exploring and doing is it's very much about doing life together. Yeah, uh, very much so. Whatever stage of life you are at, doing life together, but individually too, at sort yeah. of valuing the stage of life that you are at. And I think that is one of the beauties of intergenerational stuff. It's, it's about saying... Well, what are the things that bless you in an older congregation? What are the things that bless you in a younger congregation? What are the things and how can we then marry them all together? Yeah, it's, it's trying to recognise the, the places where we where there's difference, but um, making sure they, they don't separate us. Um, whenever it's exam season, um, we always get um, the exam timetable from young people and they know other people in the church are praying for them. Um, that's usually people who are a bit older and, you know, um, there are people who will pray their will pray right through the exams for people and that blesses young people massively um, and there is still a separation there is a tight you know they don't meet necessarily together to worship weekly but there's an understanding that there is a togetherness still in the way that we support one another um, that we're church together yeah uh, just before we, we started recording you mentioned something about sticky church uh, can you share a bit more about that Sticky faith. So um, faith that sticks. Um, some research that was done um, quite a few years ago now. COVID has added two years to most things that you say. So, um, but um, sticky faith, how, how do you um, make sure that the faith that we are um, expressing, sharing, um, growing in children um, sticks right through their life? Um, the statistics of um, young people um, not being part of church at key stages um, is is quite high. It's not good. Um, so uh, what do we do? How do we do what we do in a way that means the faith sticks um, throughout their life and is something which um, makes a difference? Um, so um, the research um, talks about the fact that lots of people um, lose faith. Lots come back. Um, or lots of people walk away from, not lose faith, but walk away from regular church attendance or regular commitment or connection with God. And some do come back. We hear about that regularly um, as, as adults, but, but then others don't. And for me, having that uh, personally, having a faith that's stuck right through, um, definitely nothing about being a better person, but I'm grateful. I'm yeah. grateful that through those years, um, I've had that relationship with God and um, 
it's a blessing it's an absolute blessing so how can we help others in the same way so some of that is around helping parents to make sure that the faith is real 24 7 like you say it's not just on a sunday morning for an hour and a half because that's all the impact that we have um it's incredibly limited um for me, it's also a lot around one to one. So I meet as you know, children, young people get older, but um, either in small groups or one to one, meet with them, um, especially at difficult times in their life, not running away in those times, but walking alongside them and and always ref referencing back um, God in the context of that. Um, and I think I think one of the and, and I. I try to do that personally and we try and do that as a whole youth team, even with those who perhaps are saying I'm not interested in God. Um, and I think that's one of the things which I've always um, been challenged by, that those young people who decide they're not interested in God um, doesn't mean we give up to give up on them as church. And I will always say to them, you know that I believe and I know that you don't. And depending on the young person, I'll say, you'll know that I'm praying for you. And I understand that you don't care about that but you need to know that because my faith means that and I think those those important moments walking alongside being being part of what's going on um is, is part of that sticky faith um if a young person's struggling um I will often try and meet them with their parents at home and be that advocate and work alongside the parent and the young person to again show that that this matters within the home it's not just you know like I say, we say a prayer and it's done, but actually God's involvement is all the way through. Um, so that sticky faith is is something that we try and, you know, how can this faith stick? How does it make a difference long term? Um, how do we help them realize that David killing Goliath um, isn't just a fantastic story to act out, um, but but has a fundamental difference in our lives, can have a fundamental difference mm -hmm. in our daily lives? Yeah. No, it's, it's paramount, isn't it, as to being able to own your own faith so that it's not a case of, well, I think this because yeah. someone told me. Yeah. But actually, it's a stuck faith. It's, it's my faith. It's been developed and, and it's been walked alongside and it's been nurtured and it's, and it's not just been nurtured by one or two. I love this whole, what you were talking about as to when the students have got their exams yeah. You know, you've got somebody who is praying right the way through the exam yeah. that is just well that must be such a blessing just to know you've got somebody praying for you through that exam it's amazing yeah it's amazing absolutely so sort of final bit of this really I think is um one of the words well I say as, as training as youth and children's workers or ministers yeah there are the four pillars of youth and children's work yes of equipping and empowering and participating uh, do you sort of do you explore those with the children and the family and the young people or do you just hold those as things that just underpin what you do because everything you've been talking about you know it resounds doesn't it with the the four pillars of, of youth work hopefully uh, <laughs> yes I think I don't think we ever do it. Um, we don't do it very, very um, formally teaching. We do a lot of informal, um, which is really important. But um, I suppose alongside parents, there is part of what I, I always talk to parents about. And I always talk to young people about even louder is that every every child, every young person needs a parent and a youth worker then we're not the same. And I think my role um, very much is um, often about letting the young person 
you know, our, our relationship's different, obviously. So letting them have opportunities, perhaps to um, those underpinning um, principles are more evident, I suppose, in what I do and how I do it. Um, I don't, I don't often teach parents about that because I think a parent has a different role. It's not about those aren't important principles, but they have a different role that they are, they have alongside the child and young person. So we don't do it in that way. Um, making sure young people, you know, we talked about the youth congregation, making sure that they're empowered and they're participating is key and, and what that means right across the church as well. Um, so for a young person, so part of our nativity service at Christmas um, we'll often try and get a young person to preach that week um, you know that might be a 12 year old who talks for five minutes but it's it's bringing that principle in that they are you know this is you know if we're doing all age it's all ages are involved it's not that the children do the the simple bit and then the adults come and take over and save the day um, but actually together and I think those um, about participation and empowerment are, are so important in those situations um, but, but right across church life, I think we're always looking for opportunities to do that. Um, our, our food bank, which feeds probably 50 to 60 families a week um, at the moment, started with a young person saying, I've just read this in the Bible. It says we should feed the hungry. So can I have a cupboard? I'll bring food in and you can give out food when a hungry person knocks on the door, which is so simplistic and so simple but that is the reason our food bank started it would not have started without that and we gave them a cupboard and they out of their own money and their friends bought food in and then some other people did and um over time that's grown and developed into uh, an awesome ministry um it, al it already was an awesome ministry when one young person says i'll bring a tin of beans but um it, it's grown in a, in a way and i think as a church and as a for me as a leader i'll always look for opportunities to make sure that you know they're able to put their faith into practice put their faith into action not sit back and watch while we do it and one day you might get a chance but you need to be doing this yeah I, I think it's that whole being valued isn't it having your voice heard and and having those around you that will not just say great idea I'll take it but actually allowing a young person and children to, to own what God has spoken into their lives yeah. and releasing them and, and the potential we then see is yeah. just phenomenal. Yeah. I am um, many years ago, I heard, um, um, I was listening to someone talk about youth ministry and they said that we should always say go and we shouldn't say no. Jesus always said go. And um, that's been the principle and a young person hasn't caught me out yet, although this is going out on a podcast, so we'll see. But <laughs> But but and joking aside, I always say to a young person when they, however crazy the idea is, let's meet up and let's talk about it. Because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, well, let's work that out together. I want you to own why that might not happen. Um, but over and over again, we end up doing crazy things um, because, um, you know, it's important for them to give it a go, see what happens, see where it ends up um, so they can grow their faith. They, they grow their relationship with God. They don't just um, they don't just be spectators. You know that they, they are part they're not they are definitely not the church of tomorrow they are we are church together each and every day yeah i was going to do a thank you but i've got to ask now what is the craziest thing that somebody's come to you and you've said go um probably uh one of the craziest was um as a community we were having um during advent there was lots of different performed pieces happening every day of the week and we did one at the church and a young person said you should be an angel so um, we got some climbing ropes and ladders and that and I went up on top of our three-story church two-story church and um, with a big spotlight um, on cue I, I, I appeared as an angel leaning over the side of the building 
That is fantastic. And it was great fun. That rivals Mr. Poppy in uh, the Nativity. Yeah, and I did it before him. So, you know, oh, just clear that. They, they, they stole your thunder. You should have, you should have written in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, one of the crazy ideas. There are, there are plenty of others. Like um, some people say I look like Mr. Bean. This is good. This is going out audible. Um, but so they make me do um, Mr. Bean sketches sometimes at our Christmas party and things like that, um, which are just fun. But. The principle is, um, you know, we're in it together. It's not adults and telling children what to do. No, we're in it together. What a wonderful place to sort of bring this to a, a close. Daniel, thank you so much for sharing your, your story, your insight, your wisdom. Uh, and we pray a huge blessing on you and all your congregations and you as a church at, at God Manchester Baptist. God bless and thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. inspired by what Daniel had to say. Um, certainly different ways of being able to do church, different ways of being able to uh, look at your context and see what, what works for you. That's one of the beauties I, I'm hoping of these podcasts is that you will be inspired, you'll get ideas, you'll be able to say, oh, we could try that or we could do that and, and have a look at all the different ways in which we can do and be church together. That was one of the beauties of what Daniel was saying is that even though they had these separate congregations, when they came to do stuff together, everybody had a role, everybody had a purpose, everybody had a value. Uh, and surely as churches, that is one of the fundamentals that we need to get across, that everybody is needed in our churches and valued. So I wonder what stood out for you. I wonder what your next step might be. And I wonder who else needs to join in this conversation with you. Until next time. Keep joining those dots. <laughs>